Greetings, my fellow Segalings. It is I, Dan the Mega Driver, here once again to deliver another Sega Guys podcast. As always, I'm not alone. Here he is, the preacher to my scientists. It's James the Segaholic. How you doing, mate? <laughs> I'm very good, mate. Thanks very much. How's yourself? Very good, mate. Very good. Very excited to talk about this topic that we you know we've been going through our list of episodes, and this one, I think, this one jumps out of both of us, didn't it? I mean, I think we had a bit of a laugh earlier whenever I says, you know, send me the list of episodes and um, there's been two years worth of content there going by your <laughs> schedule. So, I mean, given that this this show is probably airing, as we're speaking about, what, end of January, start of February 2023. So, yeah. um, we've got a, a fair bit in the bag there. We just keep coming up with these, oh, mate, I've got one for the last. <laughs> Added, you know, I think we've got like this long. <laughs> It's like Chris Jericho, isn't it? You just made the list! <laughs> 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 yeah, and as, as always, mate, it's nice to get a good a good load of shows in. I mean, if we're going to timestamp this one, I've literally just finished Sonic Frontiers. I'll be, I'll be listening back to this thinking, <laughs> it was that long ago. I remember when I just started that. <laughs> <laughs> I've still not started it, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, it's good. Although it does feel like at the end they kind of run out of budget and time. The Game of Thrones, uh... basically, then, I. <laughs> it's not that. It's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Lost or Game of Thrones. Oh, but, um, oh Christ! Yeah. Don't start being lost, mate. Don't start being lost. Oh, I've got so into that, just betrayed. But yeah, we won't go there, mate. We won't go. <laughs> Speaking of betrayals, relationships, we're here to talk about the relationship between two systems, aren't we? Yes, mate. I, it's um, a kind of a, a strange crossover, but I've spoken many times on this show about the Amiga and those early days, those early gaming days, whenever that was a, a system that I played a lot on. Kind of, I would say predominantly, my, my kind of early teen years were spent on the Amiga. Um, but it wasn't until, obviously... You know, getting that Mega Drive recently and then picking up that EverDrive that actually jumped out at me how many games on the Mega Drive had actually, you know, come over, you know, from the Amiga. So yeah. the list was actually quite substantial, so much so that you could probably have this into three parts. It's, it's quite a lot of games. So we've picked out maybe five or six of the kind of big ones. Um, certainly some of them have got quite a kind of storied history um, the Mega Drive ports um, don't quite marry up timeline wise with the Amiga ones there's a lot of kind of <laughs> tweaks there and some kind of interesting license swaps as well for some of them so um, <laughs> I mate so this this is why we've called this uh, Amiga on the Mega Drive <laughs> Amiga Amigos Amiga Amigos yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yourself, mate, you are more uh, versed in the ways of the Amiga than I. I think to all our, our Sega listeners out there who may have grown up with the Mega Drive, maybe the Saturn or the Dreamcast, may not know what the Amiga is. Do you want to give a bit of background around what is an Amiga? What is an Amiga and what does it do? <laughs> the Amiga is a home computer system. <laughs> Cyberdyne system or Commodore system, model, <laughs> model A500. 
Bye. Um, I say the Amiga home computer, um, pretty synonymous um, back in the kind of late 80s to early 90s in the UK. That and the Atari ST were obviously the kind of two main rivals. The Amiga was kind of more renowned for having the superior graphics, but the Atari ST was pretty much known for having a superior sound. Um, so much so that the ST was, I think if I remember correctly, was used a lot by kind of like musicians back in the kind of late 80s and early 90s specifically for that sound synthesizer that it had. But a big part of also the, the bigger kind of charm was, like it or not, was, was the thriving piracy scene in the UK. There's no getting away <laughs> from it. It was it was huge, mate. Um, a, a weekend... Was, was often spent, you would go out to each other's houses, you'd have a box of blank discs, a copy of X copy on another floppy, and you would just sit there. Remember, you used to go into school and see these big plastic cases. You would flip the door, wee stupid key lock, or wee sh- and you would open them up and flip through. You would like that, look at your discs. Oh, have you, have you got Monkey Island to me? This is that 13. I've only got a pack of 10, mate. I've only got it's like, you know. So you, you used to kind of go out to your mates. Um, share games and and kind of just obviously, you know, share your resources and have a good laugh. But um, as a system itself, just a, a big a big home computer. I've told the story on here about how many times I, I had the the floppy drives daisy chained for Street Fighter Two for you know four discs. So it sounds kind of in comparison to obviously the kind of the Mega Drive and the SNES at that time. It, it was like kind of viewed as being kind of quite archaic and quite kind of far behind in that regard and that it didn't quite have the the sex appeal of of a, of a console you know but i think one of the kind of main reasons why i ended up with an st and then obviously the amiga was i think at that time probably cost i think the the the, the price of games on a cartridge i think is what made the decision for said family member to stick their own in and, and send me down the home computer route as opposed to the mega drive you know they were probably arguing what could you get for 50 quid on the Amiga compared to 50 quid in the Mega Drive, and that's maybe what turned it. So, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to, I've shat on the Atari ST because I, I, I didn't like the ST at all. I think because I was kind of given that when I thought I was getting the Mega Drive, but <laughs> the, the Amiga, a lot of friends in school had the Amiga, um, and then to get that and kind of get into that crowd was certainly a big thing back then. So, I do have a lot of fond memories of the Amiga, a lot of great games on there, a lot of great times on it. So, ST, you know, but <laughs> Amiga, come on. <laughs> I, I, I'll never shit on the Amiga. I, I had a lot of great times on it, mate. Yeah, it's the thing is, uh, and we both started in very similar places, um, in that I started with uh, a Commodore 64. And you yourself started with uh, it was a Spectrum Plus Two you had, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, one two eight K plus two, mate. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, that's just the way things were, in, in especially in the UK. And I'm sure all our UK listeners of uh, of similar ages will be able to uh, <laughs> relate to that to these sort of stories. I mean, I didn't get a console. My first console was well, if you don't count my brother's master system, which you really shouldn't, it was my brother's. I didn't get one till I got a Mega Drive in '92. And I had a Commodore 64 before that, and it really was the done thing to to get an educational computer. And I think, but the, the crazy thing is, that's kind of how the UK gaming industry stayed alive when, you know, it was, everyone talks about the video game crash in America, but over here, we were just completely insulated because we were 
doing our homework on, <laughs> on our home computers, really just using them to play games. But it's, it's interesting, you know, when you say that people look at the Amiga back then and think it's quite archaic, but it was, you know, 1986, 87 that it first launched. So it was, it it predated the, the Mega Drive, the Japanese release by a year, the, U, the UK release by three years, and definitely predated the SNES by four. So, uh, you know, back in the day, it was a very impressive piece of kit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it also had a little bit of prestige in terms of, you know, they always put together packs, you know, yeah. and, and I remember the pack I got was a Batman pack. So obviously the Batman, the movie game, which the Amiga was a kind of premium version of that. And I always remember the the, the kind of Batmobile and Batwing levels. They blew my mind on the Amiga because like I'd had it on the Spectrum before and those levels were side on. They were blue and black and yellow and black. That was the only colours you had. And it was... Mm. But whenever you were playing the Amiga version, it was behind the vehicle. And if I looked at footage on YouTube now, I'd probably cringe at how bad it looks. <laughs> but but my mind's eye, hint, you know, with, with that hint of nostalgia in it, I just see this amazing looking Batmobile and Batwing. It's like the Batwing when you had to obviously cut the balloons and you stole my balloons. <laughs> Why did you tell me in one of those things? <laughs> Bob, gun. <laughs> but uh, I, it's just, it, it was, uh, that just looks so good, man. I thought that looks like it was just lifted out of the movie. So you know, the Batman pack, then you had like um, uh, Bart Simpson versus the Space, the space Mutants. You had that, space that, Mutants, yeah. That, that was a pack. Um, you had Captain Planet was a pack as well. I remember, um, yeah. so, uh, so they did always kind of have like packs to tie in with kind of cultural things. Obviously, Batman was huge, Simpsons, you know, Captain Planet at one point as well. So, I, I mean, the home computer scene was huge for us. You're talking about the C64 and the Spectrum, and a lot of that kind of charm as well would be down to the fact that you got pocket money, two or three quid, you could go down and, and pick up a game for your local game shop, yeah. you know, whether it was. A shitty arcade conversion or something like Dizzy, you know, it wasn't going to be the yeah. greatest of games, but well, Dizzy's weren't really bad, but there was again, you could often pick up like a cheap Sega game, maybe like a, a copy of like an Afterburner or a Hang On or you know, a, a Space Harrier, something like that, you know, a kind of cheap bargain bucket kind of sale game. Um, so I, as you say, the American kind of computer crash, we were kind of shielded from it because we were that entrenched in this whole home computer scene that was absolutely buzzing at the time. Yeah, when you talk about the budget games, all the stuff like um, Codemasters used to always do a budget games. I've got a couple of like four packs used to get four like games, and you just stop stop the tape at certain times to try and get them to work. And then you had the like the budget releases like the Hit Squad, and all those right. sort of tapes. They're absolutely brilliant. Do you remember the the movie pack? You see, get like four games in a box. Yeah, they used to kind of like, <laughs> so you have like the movie pack or the action pack. You know, I think it was it the action pack had like Chase HQ, Operation Wolf, something there was a couple of games in it. So it was it was crazy. You used to get these so they would come out originally on their own and then after a, a kind of period of time they would put them in these bundles to try yeah. and boost the sales. I remember them, they were great. Yeah, I've got, I got a brilliant one. I know we're going off on a tangent here. We're talking about home computers in general, but yeah, I've got <laughs> loads, so many memories about this. But I've, I've still got my Commodore 64 collection down on the shelf behind me. It's, it's hidden away, unfortunately, but I've got a few of the big box compilation ones. One's called 
One's called Giants, and it's got like Outrun on the Commodore 64, which isn't that bad, actually. A lot of people, it's very brown, as you'd imagine from the Commodore 64, <laughs> but <laughs> it's got like Gauntlet 2, it's got, it's got a few brilliant ones on there. I've got one that's like Shadow Warriors, Double Dragon, and oh, I can't remember what the other last one is, but those those big boxes with the, the tape holders in there, just oh, superb stuff. Aye, oh, they were great, mate. I know you're talking about the tape holders, that kind of that plastic that you, if if it rubs off this the inside the cardboard box, you get that screeching noise as you lift it. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's nails on a chalkboard. Everybody at our age who's had those is literally sitting going, "Yes, guys, yes, <laughs> you can hear it." You know what I mean? So there you go. Yeah, the thing is though, they from that kind of scene. The Atari ST and the Amiga as well were both natural progressions from there. I mean, the uh, the the Commodore sixty four to the Amiga was almost like a natural evolution. I never got an Amiga myself, um, but I did play a number of them. I had a cousin that had one, and I had a couple of mates that had them, and um, they were always great to play. Um, always look forward to playing them, especially before I got my Mega Drive, but even after. Um, and I think as we, as we, you know, when we start talking about the games, there were a number in there that were, you know, still better or preferable to play on the Amiga than they were on the Mega Drive. Yeah. No. I mean, <laughs> for like really 20 minutes in, we'll just be sitting talking about the UK home computers. I thought they were fucking shy, guys. What's happening here? <laughs> the home computer guys. <laughs> Welcome to the Home Computer Club. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I think it's, it's just the fact that it is kind of, of people who are kind of age, that kind of late late 30s, early 40s, I think a lot of us will have a very, very similar kind of upbringing in gaming. I think most people our age will have started on like a Spectrum and a C64, I think, you know, so that the earliest of format was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You think your Xbox Series versus PS5 is bad? You haven't debated colour in the playground between a C64 and Spectrum user. Your games are brown. Your games have got two colours, mate. <laughs> but I think Another thing that I wanted to talk about is the publishers and developers on there. You talk about some of the biggest names. Bitmap Brothers were massive on the Amiga and in that period, and unfortunately they didn't quite carry that across. But developers and publishers like DMA Design, Signosis, Sensible Software, uh, Gremlin, um, just they went on to bigger things and really shaped you know the early days of the 32-bit era as well you know and a lot of that was building on the success that they had in, in the Amiga era mm-hmm. and I mean the games that they brought over as well you know it's not as if there, there's any kind of filler in there these are all big games you know games that went yeah. on to to you know become as you, you'll, you'll see if we talk about them the ones of picked here are five or six of the very best on the Amiga you know yeah. um, and I say that they've come across in the Mega Drive in some form, which is obviously what we're going to we're going to go into. Yeah. So, I think well, I think probably one last thing we probably should touch on is what, what why did we see so many? I mean, and it's it's kind of crazy. You think? I mean, you're getting all these games X copy. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, how much how much were Amiga games going for? Twenty nine if you're getting the big box version. Well, 
if you want to talk about the cost, mate, this is this is a tangent and a half, right? Well, it's, it's kind of related, right? But it's funny because have you ever witnessed a video game related police bust? No. <laughs> I have. So basically, at that time, used to go to the town of Monkle every weekend. We'd do the round of the techie shops and occasionally we would take a joint to a place called the Barras. Right? Now, again, Stewie, if you're watching, mate, you know what the Barras is. <laughs> the Barras is a rather well-known Glasgow market that opens on weekends mainly. I think it's open sometimes during the weeks, but primarily at the weekend there's a lot of trade. It's a market which also has lots of old buildings inside it, which within those buildings contains rooms full of stalls, so people selling stuff. So many of these places were planked out of sight and basically it was like just pirate games. So you used to walk in, smoke-filled room, and there was a, a on the wall, they would have printouts on A4 bits of paper all the way along the wall, boom, 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 all the way along with numbers and beside each number was a game. Behind the desk was a woman with big tattooed arms Tight shaved hair, a short sleeved denim jacket, just really hard looking woman, right? Sitting there, and you would just go up and say, You know, can I have number 10, number 52, number 13? And you would know what those games were. They charged you two quid for the first disc and one quid for every additional disc, <laughs> oh, right? Nice. So a two disc game would cost you three pounds, right? Basically, for the maths. You know, that's about as much as you're going to get mass-wise out of me in this show, right? <laughs> but they would then turn around and they would open up, I mentioned the briefcases before, right? Well, they had these briefcases, but with full of discs, like the ones, the, the Spectrum games, but they had the inserts lifted and they just had these rows of discs and they would divvy them up, plastic band them, there you go, hand over your cash, out you go. Except one day I was in there and the police came in, like literally... Like, just barged in, like, <laughs> badges flashing, the whole lot, man, and they come, just seized everything. Absolute fucking panic, pandemonium, people scarping them like that. I just wanted Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so, I mean, that, so the, I did eventually get the odd kind of big box Amiga games that I had, like, as I said before, I had FIFA, I had Monkey Island, um, I had Turrican 2, Mortal Kombat 2, Turrican 2, FIFA, Monkey Island, Speedball 2, Zenon 2, um, Alien Breed, Project X, was it? Was it another great side-scrolling shoot-em-up spaceship game? Brings so, that, um, so I had a fair few kind of box games, but I, I'm not going to lie, the, predominantly my collection of Amiga games was, was all made up of trips to the barras and got <laughs> my, my mates with X copy. So there you go. There's a tangent. I've seen a police <laughs> I've seen a police bus. There you go, mate. <laughs> God can't imagine that these days. I mean, even as all well, even as hot as piracy as they are, you know, I suppose you don't get you don't get copy discs like that anymore. Everything everything's copies you gotta get from a torrent site. <laughs> even that mate, you've got, your, you got a DLC in a day one patch. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
I mean, the R, the RRP, the big boxes, they went for about 30 quid, didn't they? Maybe 25. And then you're paying, you're paying over 40 for the Mega Drive version. Uh, no, no question. There's no, no option to X copy there. No, uh, no market to go to, to get, you know, copied Mega Drive cartridges. So it was, uh, really a case of you were, you were, you were paying more if you were getting the console port without Aye. question. Which I think again is, is definitely something that was factored in. I think that would have been one of the the points pushed at the time to get get my computer. We can we can get games cheaper, <laughs> but it doesn't have Sonic. <laughs> you bastards! <laughs> there was Sonic planned for the Amiga though. What's that? I don't know. If, I don't know. That, yeah, there was the screenshots and everything of it. I know Aladdin I came with the Amiga, but it's awful. Oh, really? Yeah. Is it a port uh, of the Mega Drive game? Yeah, I think it only ran an A1200. Like, if you, it was, um, it was even at that, it was choppy as hell. Like, they didn't have it as the full screen. There was a big black barrel on the top, quite similar to how the early footage of Champion Edition was on the Mega Drive before, like, Capcom went, right, hold on, we'll just make an actual port. So it's yeah. got a big black bar with a picture of the genie with the health inside that. But it's it's choppy as hell. Like it's just it's it's nowhere near as smooth animation wise as what the Mega Drive version is. Yeah, it's uh it's interesting because obviously there's a lot of ports because both systems are hardware wise quite similar in that they both use a very similarly clocked Motorola sixty eight thousand and they both have um, sprite scrolling abilities and other sort of very similar uh, graphic chips. Although the Mega Drive has got much better, you know, screen scrolling and parallax abilities. But, yeah. Which is why I think some games, when you're, you know, when you're porting them in reverse, back from the Mega Drive, back to the uh, the, the Amiga, they do, especially for something that's, you know, where you've got a lot of background scrolling like Aladdin, that's why they do end up a little bit choppier. Aye. It's, I think the Mega Drive definitely had an easier time doing Amiga games than vice versa. Um, but if a game was tailored, to the Amiga, there was some incredible results. I mean, there's a video um, I've mentioned it before to you I've, I've said this on Twitter as well, there was a, a guy actually took out with an A1200 and actually coded what Street Fighter 2 could have looked like had it been made for the Amiga hardware and it's actually bloody good yeah. the sprites are smaller but obviously whenever it was was it US Gold had done the, the home ports yeah, it was, yeah, yeah and they didn't get any source code, so they were literally just building this, similar to what Virtua Racing was done on the Saturn. Yeah. So, if a game was done specifically for the Amiga, then it, it did tend to shine, but aye, the the Mega Drive's graphical capabilities, you know, the, the VDP and the, and the Mega Drive was far above you know, what the, the Amiga could do, so Mega Drive could do Amiga games standing on its head, but going the other way, hmm, kind of mixed results. Well, yeah, I think I think as we go through some of these, there are there are benefits to having the Amiga version, um, and I think you know we touched on the side of it when we were talking about your twelve Mega Drive games. You know, Sensible Soccer doesn't have goal scoring Superstar Hero, for example. Which uh... yes, well, watching <laughs> your goal star Superstar Hero. I actually had that as intro. The backing music to the, the intro for the, the World Cup pod. <laughs> very, very subtly. Don't know why I get done. 
So it's just in the background, just, just a wee bit. Just skirting the edge of uh, that, that copyright claim. It's not been picked up, mate. So. <laughs> no, we don't, we don't. You know, we've done three seasons with us so far of us taking game music. <laughs> I know we got away with the Sega stuff because it's Radio Sega, but <laughs> <laughs> it's like Austin Powers, isn't it? I also like to live dangerously. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you want to owe somebody five hundred quid. Oh God! <laughs> I'll hold my kid up in front of that shelf there, and tears in my eyes. <laughs> I'm going to have to sell this to my kids, mate. <laughs> oh, but mate, we digress. What, <laughs> should we get into the games? Um, mate, as well, what is, be what is <laughs> uh, we're going to go with five? Yeah, we'll see. We'll go. We'll go with six if we have time. We'll go. We'll go. <laughs> But, so uh, we'll... One's getting cut then, mate. <laughs> oh god! But uh, it's worth it's worth it for the home computer chat, mate. I uh, hope that a lot of our audience can relate and appreciate that. And if they were born after, then there's your window into a, into a gaming world that was very very different. So... Mm, aye, have you had to spend twenty minutes waiting for a game to load off of a <laughs> fucking tape? <laughs> With light. Like Tom Charnock done an impression of a, a GD ROM drive. I've just done an impression of a spectrum loading, so <laughs> Oh, they'll never know the pain. Well they you know, they got they got they gotta deal with long installs now. I watch through. You know, yeah. sometimes these, I think a Spectrum game could load faster than some of these games and stuff. No, I was gonna say, you know, if you get a game for Christmas you know, as long as it works, it wasn't always guaranteed, but as long as it works, you know, whether you're waiting 20 minutes or whatever, you're going to be playing at Christmas Day. You know, I, uh, sorry, we're going off on a tangent again. <laughs> having just having just finished Sonic Frontiers, right, I've gone to play God of War, which I got for my birthday. Um, 101 gigabytes of storage on the on the PS4. So it took me all day. It took my birthday. And so I'm glad I'm not playing it. So I'm glad I've got to finish Sonic first. So it took all day to install it on the PS4. I thought, that's fine. It's two two Blu-ray DVDs worth of, of game data on there. Finished Sonic Frontiers. I thought, I've got, I've got 10 minutes. I'll have a go. I've got a war. Boot it up. You've got a 9 gigabyte upload uh, update to apply. I was just like, man. Modern gaming, mate. That's Modern sad. game. Yeah. As I say, mate, home computers, a better time. But speaking of better times, mate, <laughs> what is the first Amiga game that came to Mega Drive you want to talk about? The first game, mate, is an absolute corker. One of the Amiga's stalwarts. Could arguably call it an Amiga mascot, maybe? Because I think this game is one that many Amiga owners, if they were asked to pick their top three franchises, that this one would be mentioned. And it is, of course, the mighty Turrican. Is there any specific one, mate? Are we, uh, I think we'll touch on the whole series here, won't we? Because I think all three, yeah. in one way or another, one way or another being the key phrase there, because there are some very interesting ways it came across, but all three in various forms actually made their way over to the Mega Drive. Yeah, so I mean, my personal favourite Amiga, uh, uh, Turrican game, sorry, on Amiga is, is Turrican 2. I, I just absolutely love Turrican 2. 
Um, Turrican did get an unlicensed release on the Mega Drive, the very first Turrican back in '91. I think if there's any, there's copies out there um, that in very Amiga style boxes actually the kind of the big box and the two halves with the plastic insert but it's a cartridge in the middle instead of a, a disc obviously um, or a tape as we spoke about earlier so you can get the ROM for it uh, if you want to play it on another drive I think if there's physical copies out there they go for, for stupid money um, reading up on it in terms of the kind of changes it runs a lot faster so to get it to run at the same speed as the Amiga version you have to play it at 50 hertz. Um, and it's also considerably harder than the Amiga game because your energy depletes at times four the speed. So you just literally get wiped out like stupidly fast. Um, so I, I mean, it's it's a decent enough a decent enough port. The Chris Hulsbeck music isn't in there, um, although he, he did return to do it for later releases. Um, Turrican Two came to the Mega Drive. In the guise of Universal Soldier. Yep. <laughs> um, the movie tie into the god awful Jean Claude Van Damme, Dolph Lundgren film of the yep. 90s. Um, so, again, the sprite's completely changed. So, it's. I, I don't know how the hell they thought changing the sprite would make Turrican 2 look anything like any setting for Universal <laughs> Soldier. It's just the cheapest movie tie in ever. Um, but the kind of creme de la creme from a Mega Drive perspective when it comes to Turrican is of course Mega Turrican, which is a port of Turrican 3 on the Amiga, um, developed by Factor 5 uh, and published in the in Europe by Sony, of all people. Uh, Data East picking up the US version for publishing rights, but so yeah, all three games have come across in one way or another, but as an Amiga franchise, it's just an absolute stalwart. Yeah, I remember it being quite a big deal when it first came to the Amiga. Um, I've now played all three. I was actually just playing the the, the early prototype or unreleased version of Torricon on the uh, on the EverDrive just before you recorded, and yeah, that that health bar just goes down absolutely obscenely fast. It's not like <laughs> Torricon. It's not like Torricon was an easy game to begin with. So. No. <laughs> I could barely get off like like two screens down the level before I was hitting the continue button. But uh, <laughs> but no, I mean I've enjoyed Universal Soldier, <laughs> even though it got lambasted in reviews. I can't remember what the complaints were there in the reviews. Um, I should have taken a look before we we, we came on, but. Um, I don't know if it was the use of the license that people kind of took offence to because it is, as you say, it's, it's a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> but but uh, if you put that aside, it's it's a it's a it's a fine port. I mean, I don't know if you could pick it over the um, the Amiga version. No. But, uh, but, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, but so, I, I'm sitting here with a Saturn T-shirt on a Sega podcast, right? But. <laughs> There's still a wee bit of Amiga in there that's just, can't say that. No, I, I mean, I think it's I think it's fun enough, but it's just, it's a very odd uh, attempt at, at rebranding it. But then Mega Turrican, it's definitely the one I've played the most. I mean, the, the colours on the Mega Drive really do pop on that one. Um, it's one of these ones and it's, it's similar for um, a few like sensible soccer where the extra mega drive buttons I feel do make a difference. Um, yeah. 
Aye, it's like on, on the, the Mega Drive, there's like a standalone button for his beam as well. Yeah. Um, standalone button for in Mega Turrican, which is Turrican 3, because he, he gains a grapple as well. Yeah. Um, so that's obviously kind of got its own button as well. So, aye, and there's and also Unsensible Soccer was spoken about in the last show as well, that it was one button, you know, you tapped it to pass, you held it in a bit longer to shoot. So, aye, control-wise, I think you would have had a, an element of that kind of more console specific, the, the extra buttons did, you know, make a big difference. I mean, we spoke before as well about everyone had a competition pro. But <laughs> if you had an Amiga, right, at some point your granny, your uncle, your granddad, somebody bought you a competition pro Mega Drive shaped controller for your Amiga, right? <laughs> which was absolutely crap. It was turbo, wee, wee plastic blue flips to put it on a turbo mode and all that. Oh, Jesus. So, so bad. But aye, the controls aspects are good, a good shout, mate. Do you know what really, again, we're going off on a tangent again here, but do you know what really annoys me when I think back at it? Why did no one, why did no one ever make like a, a third party Mega Drive or Master System or, you know, that sort of style controller to plug in? But the difference is, instead of having an up button, it has a jump button. <laughs> <laughs> you would have made things so, I would have sold like hotcakes. <laughs> I could ask you know? a thing, like, if you're playing like Turrican on the Amiga, like, it is literally. Like if I went back and played Turrican on the Amiga, now I'd probably be lost. Like pushing up on a joystick to to jump. Like, no, that's forward, mate. <laughs> yeah. No, ups forward. If a man with a fucking gun, as Neil Randall said, you yeah. know, push, push forward. You know, it's just. But aye, it's it certainly was limited control wise. But we we made we made the most of it. It did. Um... But yeah, I think I don't think you can go wrong with either version, really, can you? In terms of well, if we're leaving out what Universal Soldier wise, if we're, if we're talking about Mega Turrican, I think we've already. Ah. Cons- I think I think I think original Turrican is yeah, it's a prototype for a reason. Don't touch that. Universal Soldier. I mean, you're the man in the know. Uh, yeah, I don't think I've actually got any experience with Turrican Two on the Amiga, so I'll defer to you for that. But for Mega Turrican, Turrican Three. I don't think you can go wrong with either version, can you? No, and they're very close. I think probably, I think the Mega Drive version of Mega Turrican probably just trumps the Amiga version of Turrican 3, just on, again, the control aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And I think colours-wise, Mega Turrican and Turrican 3 are, are much more, not that Turrican was a dull game, but there's a lot more going on with the stages. The enemies are more varied as well. There's larger enemies, um, like the kind of big green and red robots that drop down and stuff like that. There's, there's more more variety, more weapon types as well. So I think the Mega Drive version is certainly more colourful um, in that control aspect. But the Amiga version, there's not much. Between. In terms of gameplay-wise, they're both very enjoyable. Yeah, both brilliant. Um, obviously, the Mega Drive version goes for stupid money. Um, so... You know, there's other means. We've talked about the Mega Drive, the EverDrive, rather. Um, that's how I've played it. I think the cart alone goes for £150. It's ridiculous. So it's... Uh, Doing the bad, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Just make sure you don't get caught up in a uh-huh. raid. Number 42, Turrican 3. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but brilliant, brilliant game, though. Moving on to, mate, what is your second choice? My second choice is possibly the Amiga game with the most hilarious intro music ever, although based around the touchy subject of war. 
It is, of course, the brilliant cannon fodder by Sensible Software. And what what a classic that is, mate. What a classic that is. Um, I've only ever played it on the Mega Drive. And uh, <laughs> I can I can imagine that's probably not the optimal way to play it. Did you imagine you had it on the Amiga back in the day? Yeah, aye. And again, like the, the the kind of the use of the mouse, obviously, kind of helping with that moving the cursor about a wee bit as well, and telling you guys where to go. And if I remember, you had one button to click where to move them on the mouse, and the other one to kind of make them shoot. If I remember, so it, it certainly was a bit easier control wise visually. Again, I've not played the Amiga game in a long time, but at a first glance, the Mega Drive game looked a little bit duller in colour palette. I, like the Wii Soldiers didn't look quite as, I say, detailed. Not that they were mass sensible <laughs> software, man. They've got wee bodies and big heads. It's like there's no, there's no much to it. But I just think that the like, the definition between like the the wee helmets they had on and, the, and their heads and stuff, I just think again might be my mind's eye making it look better. But the Mega version to me seemed to be more detailed than the Mega Drive one. But again, it's not as if the Mega Drive is a, a bad version to play. I've played the Mega Drive version on the other drive and had a ton of fun with it. It's still a great game. Um, I, again, just an absolute classic on the Amiga. I would have imagined it would have scored quite well. And Mega Drive reviews and being well received, um, a devilishly, you know, clever kind of puzzle style war game. You know, yeah. having to move your men around the map and take out targets, find your shortcuts, find your route to the goal, that kind of thing. Just a really devilishly clever wee game. And again, I hours of fun with that one. Yeah, it's the same. It's not one I actually owned back in the day, and I still don't own it now, but it's one that I, I have a lot of fun memories of. The Mega Drive version, that is. Um, again, it's, it's another one that I end up playing on the other drive. I mean, control-wise, uh, I mean, if we talk about another one, we'll probably cut onto another one that talks about, you know, the mouse and everything. Um, because I'm so used to playing with the pad, uh, I don't really think about it too much. Um, it's very much to say that, you know, you move your cursor around, obviously doing it on the D-pad is a lot more difficult than you doing it with a mouse. But once you get around that, you know, you've still got very similar controls. But there's so much character and charm to it. There's, <laughs> I mean, especially, you know, the, the kind of the, the permadeath of your, of, your, of, your, of your squad members. And then, when you know, when you restart the stage, you've got your big lion going around the hill of, of, of recruits. <laughs> and then the tomb stones will go up all around it and it's uh god it's brilliant and then you, you you can see how much it means to people when people talk about things you know you've got you've got Stu, who you know who's the namesake of Stu cambridge who worked at sensible software and so many people say oh yeah we always try to keep Stu alive until the very end <laughs> but <I> mean... <laughs> everyone, everyone else was expendable but we had to keep Stu. but yeah <clears throat> this was um this was a rental for me mate Rented it from the um, from the video shop back in. I think it was in a blue box, so it must have been around ninety four, maybe even ninety five. I first played it on the, on the Mega Drive, but uh, it was still one that we just got completely lost in for a few weekends, and always a joy whenever I go back on it. Um, I think, yeah, I can imagine the Mega the Amiga version probably having a bit a bit more kind of vibrancy and clarity in the visuals because. <clears throat> In general, and I haven't seen I haven't seen an Amiga for decades, probably. Um, but I always seem to be I don't know have a bit more shimmer to them, just better have a bit more clarity. Even when there was less detail, they seem more defined. If you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. 
Aye, as I say, it just when I had a first glance at the Mega Drive version, whenever I put it on in the other drive, as I said, it just seemed to me there was a, a kind of little bit of detail missing, and it was a little bit duller, but it didn't look bad. You know, it, you could still, if you look, if you glance at it, if you were walking by the screen very quickly and you knew you were, you were oh, that's cannon fodder. It would, it's, mm. The characteristics of it just jump out at you straight away. It's just. All the sensible software games have got that kind of charm and allure to them, you know, from sensible soccer, cannon fodder, those little cool wee sprites that they've got, you know, just they're, they're <laughs> just iconic and, and synonymous with them. So, I it's I had so much fun with that game. I mean, the, the intro music on its own, you know, in the Amiga, which was missing from from the Mega yeah. Drive, you know, whoa, never been so much fun. <laughs> Go it's to your brother. <laughs> Kill him with the gun, leave him lying in his uniform, dying in the sun. Whoa. <laughs> Full of Jackie Chan for, for Russia were here. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it, it was so much fun though, mate. That's the thing about it. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant game. Okay. Um, I think it's probably about time for our for our musical break, mate. So... I think this was this was your choice. Oh. So, would you like to introduce our listeners to the song? This is my favourite piece of gaming music ever. That, that's I just love this piece of music, and I just hope it doesn't get copyright flagged. <laughs> <laughs> it is Chris Hulsbeck's amazing, uh, the final fight from the Amiga version of Turrican Two. Enjoy.
go. Hope you enjoyed a little bit of Amiga music there. And so we're going to get back into the Amiga on Sega Mega Drive chat. And James is about to tell us how much he loves Rise of the Robots. <laughs> Please, man. The game that was hyped up. People will be sitting going, that, that music is no for Rise of the Robots. Why are you coming back talking about Rise of the Robots? That's returning to me. Um, no, we were talking during the the wee break there about Rise of the Robots, how it was hyped up beyond anything we'd ever seen, I think, at that point in time. Just, as I said to you, there was months on end of screenshots and previews and features, and it turned out to be the biggest pile of dog shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, <laughs> please insert disc five to load a CGI screen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's another that's another game that started on the Amiga that came to the Mega Drive. Mm-hmm. It was it was just as bad on the Mega Drive. Yes. Obviously you didn't you didn't have the good you didn't have the discs one, but uh you didn't have the uh, the CG intros either. Aye, we had, we had to swap a disc to, to, to load the CG <laughs> intro, mate, so you you weren't missing much. <laughs> they were awful. The game was awful oh, in geez. general. Probably goes for about eighty quid or something. I think that's one where I think common sense has <laughs> thankfully kicked in. Tell somebody water grades and sticks in a plastic box. <laughs> well, that's one that I wouldn't mind having water graded and kept in a plastic box so I could never ever play it. Aye. <laughs> so that's a reason to leave it sealed. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's shite. <laughs> oh. But mate, what is your what is your next pick for Amiga games that made it to the Mega Drive? My next one is one by the legendary Bitmap Brothers, and straight away people will be shouting at their screen either Xenon Two or Chaos Engine, which in this case it is the Chaos Engine. Um, a kind of top-down, slightly I wouldn't say isometric, maybe a wee bit isometric. Two um, D shoot 'em up again, really really charming visuals. Bitmap Brothers had that that very kind of similar thing to Sensible Software where their games had a similar look to them. So if you look at, you know, obviously Speedball 2 was done by Bitmap Brothers. If you look at the the kind of camera angle style in the game on that, the, the type of sprites, the style of the sprites, they're very similar on Chaos Engine to, to Speedball 2. Um, just great fun game shoot them up kind of slightly kind of maze based traversing your way through these kind of landscapes it's was it two two player um yeah. but whenever you played it solo the computer would control your your body could swap out weapons we kind of power ups and stuff like that just a, again a really gorgeous game uh, one I had a lot of fun with, and again, one I had a lot of fun playing kind of two-player modes with friends at the time as well, um, back in my, my school days. But I uh, another one that very similar to Cannon Fodder. When I loaded it up on the Mega Drive, I felt it wasn't as vibrant as it was on the Amiga. Um, detail-wise, it looked okay. Um, I always remember you went into the menus and you had your, your, your kind of portraits of your, your character. Also, there was like four or five guys to pick from and you had your wee kind of portraits and then I remember the the menu you went into to you know your weapons and all that kind of stuff this kind of gold look that it had on it um so really really nice polished UI on it as well uh, but I know it's, it's a 
great game. Absolutely love the Chaos Engine. But my brothers are just brilliant. They work superb. Yeah, they were fantastic. I mean, it's like we were saying earlier in the show that they they were kind of legends around this era. All their stuff was fantastic. I mean, they've you know talked about uh, Xenon, Xenon Two, Gods, uh, all the stuff that came out of there. They were like like developer rock stars almost. They were fantastic. Magic Pockets, mate. <laughs> Do you remember Magic Pockets? I did play Magic Pockets. No. Here's the thing, mate. I've got a total as a tangent and a half. Do you remember whenever? Was it BBC? You saw a, a mod alive and kicking, and you would phone in, and you would play the game on the phone by going yeah. jump, fire. Right, I'm sure Magic Pockets was one of those games. That and a game called Hugo. You're in a cart. That was on the Amiga as well. Hugo, you're, t- you're like a wee, a wee elf guy, and you were sitting in a, a kind of cart going along this track, and you're t- oh, just mega tangent here, mate, but. Uh, Magic Pockets by Bitmap Bros. I'm ninety percent sure that game was on one of these morning Saturday morning kind of like games. You would phone in and say, "Champ, shoot, whatever that kind of thing." <laughs> anyway, mate, I, Bitmap Bros. Legends. Oh uh, no, it just unlocks a memory. Um, given, and this is this is almost completely unrelated, but. <laughs> Talking about the games you play over the phone, I can't I can't actually remember any of them except for one. And the reason why I remember it is like a caterpillar going through a maze, and I think it was on live and kicking maybe or going live or something something like that. The only reason I remember it is because you know back in the day we didn't have we didn't buy many of like the official Disney videos, so we'd record them off the telly. <laughs> and someone someone had recorded a I think it was Aladdin. And then recorded over that with someone playing one of those games, just as I think, <laughs> I think just as a just as Aladdin first meets Jasmine, it's like the music goes, you know, goes do 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 jump, jump left, left, left. Brilliant. <laughs> 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 Oh, a dear. whole new jump. <laughs> <laughs> Prince Ali left. Ruined the film. So I've got I've got Blu-rays of the Transformers now. So I watched the, to watch the movie on, but every time Unicron says "destroy the Matrix," it sounds wrong to me because we had it again. We had it recorded off the telly, and whenever he said it, the tape was so chewed up, it'd be <laughs> tracking to go all over the place. You can make out it was completely inaudible what he says. So when I hear it now, it's weird. So, so basically, it's not the tapes mangled. You've you've just got Orson Welles outtakes, mate. That's all you've got. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't believe you're making me say this shit. <laughs> oh, anyway, mate. Chaos Engine. <laughs> it's bloody good, by the way. It's bloody good. Yeah, again, I've only ever played it on the on the Mega Drive, and uh, yeah, I think in terms of content, it's pretty much identical. Uh, again, I can imagine that kind of Amiga sheen is going to be kind of missing from it. But again, I think. Maybe the extra buttons help again on the Mega Drive. Um, I certainly loved playing it again. Another rental for us. Used to play it a lot. You know, two player obviously. 
just made it an absolute favourite along me and a couple of my mates. So I don't think, again, you can't go wrong with the Chaos Engine what we play it on either. Aye. The thing that always strikes me as well about Bitmap Brothers games was their box art. It was always... I actually think they had possibly the best box art on, on the Amiga and it came over to, to the Mega Drive versions as well. Like that, that Chaos Engine logo is just gorgeous. The, the Xenon yeah. 2 logo, everything, just all their games have got a real quality polish to them. Um, yeah. Just great memories. Even, even, even like you're talking about the the character profiles when you're selecting them, just the uh, just the, the art behind them. You know, you, you know when you're selecting the character, you've got the fug who's like <laughs> leaning over his shoulder, and he he got <laughs> got the scientist with his great big goggles Actually, on. Actually, and the characters in that are so good, so good. Obviously, that's why I, you know reference them in the intro. They're just superb. So yeah, the game just oozes personality. Um, so brilliant. I think probably inspired by the likes of kind of alien syndrome, but you know, yeah. just up, but just up the ante and stuff so much. that I think future games like, you know, for example, loaded were definitely inspired by it. A hundred percent. That's a great shout, mate. I, I think loaded takes a lot. I feel like you're kind of like chaos engine, alien breeds, that kind of, those kind of yeah. games. Definitely. Cool, mate. So moving swiftly on to the next shout on the Amiga, Amigo, Mega Drive, Power Hour. What have you got for us? Let's go. <laughs> it's the Lemmings. Oh, God. Now, <laughs> I think anyone that's of a certain age will just remember a time when these little guys were absolutely everywhere. <laughs> I remember Lemmings 2 was like my most anticipated game like ever because I loved the first one so much. And... It's kind of it's kind of hard to think back now because when you look back in that era, it's all Mario, Sonic, Street Fighter, maybe Streets of Rage. But but back then, I mean, Lemons was its own cultural phenomenon, wasn't it, mate? Aye, I mean, if I remember as well, I'm sure there was an Amiga Lemmings pack as well. That's coming to mind. That there was an Amiga pack that came that came with the game bundled. Aye, it's it was everywhere at one point, um, and rightly so. Again, a very devilishly clever, you know, almost cruel, <laughs> cruel puzzle game. <laughs> you know, uh, if you've never played it, and surely everybody's played it, but you know yourself, each each level gives you lemmings with a certain number able to, per- to perform a certain skill. So they fall out their wee trap door in the sky and go, let's go! And then the music kicks in, and obviously they walk one way, they'll hit a wall, they'll start walking the other, and they'll start to walk towards, basically, hazards, whether that's falling down a pit, falling into lava, falling into water and drowning, you know, just generally walking off a cliff, as Lemmings do, hence the name. But it was just, you had to basically get them into the goal at the end. But, you know, you, you could have Lemmings that would stop, they would stand and they would do all that, hand out yeah, either the side blockers. Of, yeah. either blockers you did the path builders <laughs> pulling the wee bits of the panel out of their backpack, yeah. you know to, to go across gaps um, you sometimes had to sacrifice some of them to, to blow a hole to get through so you would detonate them <laughs> oh no 
But all the blockers, the blockers were always the sacrificial lambs because you weren't getting any, you know, once they were in that blocking animation, they you couldn't, couldn't move them back. No. So it's just like, your fate is sealed, my friends. You are, <laughs> see you on the other side. Aye. Um, but just, you know yourself, mate, as the levels went on, they got more and more complex. Like the, the, the kind of first maybe five, ten levels are pretty easy. Just kind of getting you comfortable with it. But um, as you go on, they just get crazy. Um, but yeah. it's such a fun game. Such a fun, fun game. Yeah. So I think on the Amiga, I'm pretty sure there must have been a pack because on the Amiga, you obviously had you had lemmings, you had oh no more lemmings, <laughs> oh no more lemmings, <laughs> and yeah, Christmas lemmings. That's right. So it must have been a bundle at some point with all those, so, obviously. I'm just, I'm just, wow, what? So that can't be right. What's that? I just went on eBay there, and that, that's got to be an absolute wind-up, surely to Christ. Someone's got the big box, oh no, more lemmings on eBay for two and a half grand sealed. No. <laughs> so there, there's the pack that lemmings came in. It was a cartoon classics pack, which had um, uh, yeah. Bart Simpson versus the Space Mutants, Lemmings, and Captain Planet on it. So there you go, mate. I so there you go. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I first played it at my auntie's, and I first played it on the Mega Drive, and uh, I fell in love with it straight away. So it's, it's like you say, mate. It, it lures you in. It lures you in at the very beginning. The first, the first stage, you can't even die. It's just like, <laughs> it's like you got it, it like so, twenty so, diggers. So digger, uh, so yeah, you just dig yeah. in. And then the uh, public domain music, they like dig through. You can get that. Then you got the floaters. You gave them the umbrella in the second <laughs> stage. <laughs> and the first level was just, like, I'm really enjoying this. And then all of a sudden, without you realizing, the difficulty just keeps going up and up and up, and everything starts getting more and more elaborate and devilish. Um, but yeah, oh God, absolutely, absolutely loved it. Still, still love it. Um, obviously, another one where <laughs> I just laughed. You remember the noise? Number one used to splat off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you see, you see, it was different on the Mega Drive. So the Mega Drive, it it, it just went. <laughs> no, they actually used to go. <laughs> it was like <laughs> they would. Literally splatter me. Oh, see, it was it was different on the Mega Drive. It's just it's more like a, like a sad whistle when they when they sort of went on the on the floor. So I know the sound is very different on the Mega Drive, and I actually uh, I actually prefer the <laughs> prefer because probably because it's you know in my head the bias the the way that the sound is on the Mega Drive just sounds completely right to me. It's a lot more a lot more techno, a lot more funky. Um, Music by uh, Cold Storage, actually. Um, Was it? Yeah. Wow. Um, Tim. Oh, I feel terrible now. What is Tim's name? <laughs> Boy. Uh, come on. Tim Wright. That's the one. Fantastic musician. Um, done them Lemmings games. Obviously, Force Ignosis. So, did the Wipeout soundtrack as well. Aye, aye. Um, I actually think Cold Storage. Their tracking wipeout on the PS Wank. Their track's actually my favourite one. Yeah, that's what it's like. Um, the wipeout games on Saturn. It's like you don't get the licensed music. You no. only get you only get cold storage tracks. Like, they're the best ones, mate. <laughs> We've got nothing to worry about. 
<laughs> Keep your prodigy. <laughs> the white fire starter. That's funny. Yeah. Listen to that. I'm now 28. I'll listen to. <laughs> i listen to Body in Motion. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, it just it ticks all the boxes, Lowings. It's just it's just so good, and yeah, it, it was kind of a cultural phenomenon. It's it's looking back, you kind of realise the pedigree it had. You know, Gear Made Design, who would go on to make a little game called Grand Theft Auto. Just a wee game. Yeah. <laughs> never, the never, amount, never amounted too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rockstar North, who I think they still are the light, the leads for, for Grand Theft Auto games, aren't they? So even today. And then Cygnosis, who, you know, obviously Sony bought, a publisher who Sony bought, publisher being the key word there, but helps the PlayStation become what it was. I mean, we're just talking about Wipeout just now, the amount of games that they, they released. So both of them went on to do massive things. Aye. And the one thing I will say about about Lemmings, and we're talking about, you know, you, other games we've spoken about, you can't go wrong with either version, but I think Lemmings is one game that when I played it on Neverdrive, because I'd come from playing it on an Amiga, I really struggled with the D-pad. Like, I don't know how a Mega Drive only gamer would have been able to get the cursor over the Lemmings in time. With a mouse, it was just like you were flying up the you could you could <laughs> like really catch the wee guys just as they went off a cliff. You had to make them a floater kind of thing. You could cap you could get to them in time with the cursor. Yeah. Whereas I just think trying to drag a cursor over with a D pad it just felt a little bit more cumbersome. So I think that's that's one game if you if you had to ask me to pick where I would play it, I still think I would lean towards the amigo on that one. Yeah, I've actually got it on PC. Um, I've got it on a few things, but I've got it on PC. I've got it on PSP. Um, but I tend to always go for the Mega Drive because that's what I grew up with. Aye. Even though, like, um, it's like you say, so you're dragging that cursor and in a mouse, you just slide it up there and it's, it's there, isn't it? With the cursor, sometimes you're like dragging it over to get that falling low and it's like going across like that. You go, come on, <laughs> come on. I mean, sometimes you have to get from one end of the map to the other, and then that's when you. I used to hit the shortcut to get to the pause, which are represented by the two little paws on oh. the on the menu bar. Pause it, get to the other side, unpause, and then drag the cursor back up again. <laughs> <laughs> but it was doable. I did manage to get. You know, I never finished it. Um, well, I, I finished the last level by using the password that I found in the back of a magazine, but I never played all the way through every single level on it. But I did manage to get quite far. Aye. Uh, the later levels were just ridiculous, mate. Honestly, I never finished it either, but aye, the later levels were just <laughs> what the oh, god, that? yeah, as I say, it's so elaborate, <laughs> clever game, really, really clever. It really was. I mean, they, when they were designing some of those, they must have been thinking, yeah, have some of this, you little bastards. <laughs> I survive this. <laughs> oh, but mate, time to move on. What is the, the last Mega Drive game that came from the Amiga that we'll talk about today? This one is, a, we're going for the driving game to finish off. Um, a lot of great driving games on both Mega Drive and the Amiga, but this one is Lotus Turbo Challenge which was done by Gremlin Graphics, as we discussed at the start, another big name, uh, along with Magnetic Fields, who did the Mega Drive version, published by EA on the Mega Drive. Um, Lotus Turbo Challenge on the Mega Drive is a port of Lotus Turbo Challenge 2, 
on the Amiga. So much like with Turrican, the franchise is kind of coming over, but kind of skewed slightly. So the, the first game on the Mega Drive was actually the second game on the, the Amiga, similar to you know, the kind of Turrican 3, Mega Turrican sort of angle. Yeah. Um, but I just, again, um, just a, a game that I always remember straight away just for that intro music. And again, we were talking earlier on during the kind of interlude um, about obviously the, the kind of music differences, how the Amiga version has just got that that at the start. <laughs> um, so a bit like that. Remember the, that kind of duo? Was it Yellow they were called? Remember them? Boom, no. boom. Remember that? <laughs> I don't remember. You remember that? Boom, boom. I just remember because uh, I always like that, that, that Lotus Turbo challenge. That, that just sounds exactly like that. So, um, But I just... The intro music's brilliant. As a game, you know... Absolutely superb on both platforms. You know, really fast, really smooth, nice big blocky car models. Um, it's kind of way that the, the kind of tracks that kind of you know two-tone grey lines as you're going mm. along, but as you're going faster, it goes really, really rapid. Different stages, weather effects, rain. You know, forests, cities, nighttime. It's got everything covered, but um, really, really good challenge and driving game. A lot of fun, um, definitely one that I would I would certainly recommend. If anybody's not tried it, definitely pick it up, put it on your other drive because another big franchise that certainly I think again, if if you asked Amiga owners to kind of name kind of iconic franchises, I think Lotus Turbo Challenge is definitely one that would come up. Yeah, it was a massive volume back in the day um, because it it really was a great looking game moved very slickly had a split screen two player mode i i first played this do you know what? i can't i can't remember if i played this on a, i think it must have been an amiga is either that or it was someone's atari st um and they were like oh you play this driving game playing it the joystick <laughs> because it was on the, on the on the home computer and and I remember we're going under going under the um the, the, the truck you go underneath under in between the wheels of it. I was like, Whoa! <laughs> Do you remember using a log to jump over water as yeah. well? Like as if that would actually work. You know? <laughs> like if you drive a lotus into a into a log man <laughs> you're not, you're not, it just used to go boing. <laughs> yeah, several, several, several different parts of that car are going in all directions. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a brilliant game. Um, I think because Lotus Two came to the well, Lotus Two was on the Mega Drive. Was actually Lotus Three. That's right. Yeah, and that that one had the track editor and everything. And again, that That's was right. Yeah, and that was again published by. I've got I've got Lotus on the Mega Drive again. It's another one of those games that it's like you're saying, mate. It's it's a very iconic one from the era, and I think a lot of people, especially in the UK, will be very familiar with it. And uh, certainly, the point for me is another one I wanted to have in the collection, just to just uh, you know to put on every now and again, and just you know take me back, whether it's, whether it's thinking back to when I was playing it on the Amiga or whether I was you know when I was playing it later on the Mega Drive. Um, again, I don't think you can go wrong with either version, although obviously on the Amiga you have to hold up to up to accelerate. I think. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I well, I was trying to think, was it because obviously you had your. I can't remember if it was up to accelerate on the Amiga or if you held the button down. 
or was it up to accelerate and back to break? Memory escapes me with that. I can't mind. Hmm. Many look at that one. I need, an, I need an Amiga emulator after this yeah. episode, mate. I'm telling you. <laughs> I, thought you need, I thought you were going to say you need a new Amiga. No, mate, if I try to bring an Amiga in this house. <laughs> don't, don't forget, the Amiga came with a power pack. With a, and it, it was a brick, mate. This was, yeah. It was literally shaped like a brick. Like the Xbox 360 power brick. No, we see the Amiga. It was about that, that tall, mate. About that. <laughs> From memory, anyway. But I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at the, at the kind of release dates. So, I mean, you're talking about what 1992, yeah, for Lotus Turbo Challenge, and that goes back to what we were saying before: is that Daytona USA came out in the arcades in '93. <laughs> Look at the jump, you know, and this is why again we spoke about the respect at the Saturn port of Daytona USA. Massive tangent, but slightly linked. The respect that the Saturn port of Daytona deserves because we mentioned that words in the previous episode we, we launched the Saturn launch games, is it, res, you know, respecting the ambition of the Saturn port of Daytona? Because, as I said in that episode, you went from Daytona UA, you went from Lotus Turbo Challenge to, in 92, <laughs> to walking into an arcade and seeing do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do on a Model 2. And then only, what, two years later, you're playing that in the home. Madness. Yeah. I mean, that's what you we, call a generational jump, mate. Yeah, 40 cars on the track as well. As I was saying the other day, no no other, only one other game in that whole generation did more than a handful of cars. And that was the only other one was F-Zero. Like, yeah, right, F-Zero ran at 60 frames per second. But look at the level of detail in, in F-Zero. I mean, it really stripped. But I don't think there's any texture mapping in there at all. Um, great game. Great game, F Zero X, and one that one of my favourites on the N sixty four. But you know, it did have to make a lot of sacrifices to get several cars. It didn't have any texture maps. Whereas Daytona, a game that came four years before, Hi. you know, had forty cars on the track, all with their own fiendish AI as well, with absolute scallywags <laughs> trying 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 to get a good time on there the other day. Oh, mate, I, I don't know how you got that time, by the way. I could not break 228. Well, you must have been taking that last hairpin like an absolute demon because I felt I was going too slow, like, or else I was skidding too much. You burned up the tires. Shut up. <laughs> like, I think my first lap, my best first lap was a 1756, and I thought, well, oh, I've got a chance here. Next lap, 1908. I'm like, start XYZ. <laughs> No, but that, that was a great thing. Do you know what? It doesn't even feel like a CD game. I'll tell you what, <laughs> I was restarting so quickly. I mean, we say rally, Sega rally, start, press down, go to restart, hit start. Then you get the splash screen, it's a desert course, Aye. it loads a bit. You zoom into your car, there's like crash, start, X, Y, and Z, rolling, start, <laughs> crash. And, <laughs> And it just goes, it just it just flips straight back to the beginning. It's 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 an amazing game, man. It's an amazing port. I mean, I don't think even the 360 version loads that fast. No, just your satin lens is inside going like that. <laughs> For fuck's sake! I think I think the timing must be off of the NTS, NTSC version because you look at the top score, top times in that 
versus the top times versus the 360 and power saturn versions and it's definitely something awry there because it was like about eight seconds behind i mean i know there's disparity as an art tangent there's a disparity on the pal version of sega rally compared to the ntsc one because the pal optimization obviously it's not running at 60 hertz but they've sped it up so that it feels the same so the pal version of sega rally is is known for being a wee bit faster than the, the the American and Japanese versions, just through that pal up that pal optimization. Yeah. That's all. But aye, there you go, mate. Lotus Turbo Challenge, nineteen ninety two. But uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think the brilliance of what came after can really uh, throw a shade on what that game was. And that game is that game is excellent. Uh, so again, however you play it, you know it's a Sega show. You probably should play it on the Mega Drive. But uh, you can't go wrong either way. Aye. I mean, it's probably the, the easiest way to play all these games now. You know, if, if people be shouting, go and emulator on. But if if you've got a Mega Drive and you've got an EverDrive cartridge, then obviously you've got access to them as well. And as much as we've spoken about, you know, benefits of mouse and keyboard on the likes of Lemmings and Cannon Fodder, um, the kind of change in the palette on, you know, maybe like Chaos Engine, um, stuff like that, it's... It, it doesn't detract for the gameplay and the magic that these guys created, you know, like your Bitmap brothers. Um, nothing would detract from just how great the gameplay, no matter what version you play it on, is intact. So uh, if you've not played any of these wee gems, then I certainly suggest that you do so because they're absolutely bloody fantastic. They are. And that is just five of what... There are absolutely dozens of these, mate. So, I mean, we've got these... If anyone likes this this crossover with the Mega Drive and the Amiga, two two systems that share a lot of history, a lot of architecture, and uh, a lot of great games, um, let us know. But we've, you know, we've got we can bring more of these games in for a future episode, and we're also looking at the reverse possibly for another episode, aren't we, mate? With Sega games on home computers. Yep. That, yep. That, you know, we grew up with probably aren't as good. <laughs> <laughs> that they do hold a historical significance. So Aye. we we thought we would try something a wee bit different because obviously we obviously we're a Sega podcast and you know the the only kind of Sega link we've got here is the fact that these were games that were on on the Mega Drive. So it might feel a wee bit less Sega than previous shows and obviously we've been doing this for three seasons now but it's just trying to mix it up a wee bit try and kind of take a different angle at things maybe introduce some new topics so hopefully if, if people have enjoyed this you know let us know on twitter you know let us know if you speak to us on whether on sega power discord or the, the, the radio sega discord if you see us let us know if you enjoyed it we can certainly look at doing more of these as at least i think we done our initial list was 20 yep that, that we had <laughs> That's um, four shows. You know what I mean? So easily. <laughs> so if people enjoyed it, then let us know and we'll, we'll do more. But yeah, we are going to go the other way um, and look at Mega Drive games that obviously that went to the Amiga. So straight away, you've got stuff like the EA stuff, Desert Strike, FIFA, stuff like that, you know, amongst yeah. many, many more. So if you enjoyed it, let us know. We'll do more. Absolutely. Uh, Afterburner, Outrun. <laughs> Hang on, Space Harrier. You know, just the list is endless, and US gold might get mentioned. I felt, but oh, in glowing ways, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, well, that'll do us then, mate. Yeah, so please let us know if you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to hear more, you can catch me at Swoop, Swooper D, you can catch James at the Sagaholic, you can catch the show 
at Sega guys. Assuming Twitter's still alive <laughs> by the time this goes out. <laughs> Imagine that, mate. Elon Musk and the time between now and this show going to just pulls a plug on Twitter. <laughs> oh, Oper- <laughs> Assuming Operation Blue Check works out, we will see you on the Sega side. Sega. <laughs>